I'm Jade. And I'm Shauna. And this is Wellness Speaks. A podcast about functional medicine and healthy living. Welcome to Wellness Speaks. Today we are going to be talking about multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome or simply MCS. So MCS is something that affects lots of people every single day on both large and small scales. Many times it stems from just the overpowering fragrances from things like perfumes, colognes, candles, air fresheners, and body lotions that we encounter on a daily basis, but it can also stem from substances that we don't even realize we're breathing in. So things like cigarette smoke in the air, epoxy photocopier fumes, um, VOCs that are in house paint, and even that seemingly harmless smell of spring rain or lavender fields in your laundry detergent can actually be extremely toxic. Yeah, so for sure, um, some of the issues suffered by those with multiple chemical sensitivity are seemingly small, like headaches and sneezing, uh, those itchy, watery eyes, or even joint pain. But oftentimes, people just don't even realize what it is that's triggering these issues for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sneaky. Yeah, so what exactly is multiple chemical sensitivity? Um, Multiplechemicalsensitivity.org defines it as, in broad terms, it means an unusually severe sensitivity or allergy-like reaction to many different kinds of pollutants, including solvents, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, perfumes, petrol, diesel, smoke, chemicals in general and often encompasses problems with regard to pollen, house dust mites, and pet fur and dander. Right. So this differs from a true allergy in that the exact known um, sort of mechanism that causes it and the processes involved are not really fully understood. So with true allergies, we really kind of understand the mechanisms behind the problem. Um, They're relatively well understood. They're widely accepted by like conventional medicine. Um, But the sort of idiopathic or not understood nature of multiple chemical sensitivity kind of means that doctors and even just other people in general are often highly skeptical about the reality of and the cause or nature of the multiple chemical sensitivity condition. Right. And unfortunately, so many people don't even really know they have it. So a lot of my patients report being very sensitive to certain smells and even feeling nauseous when they walk through the perfume section of the department stores. And they just don't really realize there's a name for something like this. Yeah, so that sounds exactly like me a few years ago. Um, I had no idea that what I was experiencing in those situations was a chemical sensitivity. Like, I can't shop in big department stores anymore because I will leave with a headache that just kind of, you know, like lays me out for the rest of the day. And even the laundry aisle at, you know, Target or something like that kind of sends me reeling. It's just, it's very overpowering. It is super Um, overpowering. The worst, though, is those scentsy things or like the Glade plug-in type scented stuff. So. You know, while it sounds like you can just say, oh, well, just avoid it, and then it's not a big deal, it becomes a really big pain in the butt because, like, I can't go to people's houses that use those those Scentsies or those plugins. And we've even had house guests at our own house whose clothing smelled so strongly of, um, like, scented detergent or fabric, fabric softener that yeah. it made me physically ill. 
So, you know, it can be somewhat debilitating because it's really hard to broach that subject with friends and family members because you don't want to offend somebody. Like, hey, right. the smell of you your don't clothing be that makes person. me sick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you don't want to be rude. And because people don't really understand it sometimes, it's they're like, well, what do you mean? You know? Um, or, to, you know, like do things like go out in public. Um, so sometimes even in the yoga studio that I go actually has like a no perfume policy, but people don't always adhere to that. And sometimes I'm in yoga practice and the person next to me smells so strongly, or maybe it's not even perfume, but it's their fabric softener that I have to move my yoga mat and I feel like a jerk, but like, yeah. what am I going to do? It can do? even be essential oils for yeah. some people. Yeah, for like, sure. Essential oils can even be way too, too overpowering. Yeah. And you know, people. my case is fairly mild. Like, it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me feel not particularly well. But for some people, it will literally make them sick to a point where they cannot function. So right. this actually does mean not going in public because they can't risk being exposed. Um, which, you know, then leads to having an extremely limited social life. This causes huge amounts of anxiety and depression. So it's kind of like this chain reaction of um, detriment, you know, detrimental to their health. Right. And that's pretty extreme, but it definitely happens yeah, for, sure, for sure. Some people. All right. So let's take a look at some of the symptoms that multiple chemical sensitivity has and how someone might know they have it. We've already mentioned a few of the symptoms, but many common ones are people will experience like burning, stinging eyes or wheezing and breathlessness. Um, also extreme fatigue is another very, very common symptom with this as well as headaches, migraines, and dizziness. Those are probably the most that I hear about the headaches, mm -hmm. the migraines. Those are super common. Um, and also like poor memory and concentration as well as sleeping problems. Those become very prevalent with people experiencing multiple chemical sensitivity. Yeah. And uh, additionally, people can have like digestive upset and muscle and joint pain, as well as skin rashes and itchy skin. So there's so many different yeah. um, symptoms that people can have. Just a multitude. Um, yeah. And these problems have to be ongoing for it to be considered MCS. So not just like a one-off occurrence. Um, right, right. And then the issue has to be reproducible. So if you're exposed to the same chemical or set of chemicals, it has to lead to the same symptoms upon exposure for it to be considered multiple chemical sensitivity. And the person experiencing the symptoms, um, it's got to include multiple triggers. So, I mean, it says it in the name, multiple chemical sensitivity, but it's worth repeating. So just one chemical causing something would be considered an allergy because it could be traced back to one specific chemical. But when it's multiple, um, then it becomes the syndrome. So uh, lastly, the person's symptoms, uh, they improve when the trigger is removed. So, you know, if it's <clears throat> being around a laundry detergent, then once you're not around it anymore, like you slowly start to feel better. Yeah, yeah. And so we've already mentioned some of these common triggers for people, but um, air fresheners and fabric softeners are other ones that I hear many times people have sensitivities to. And the fabric softeners are loaded with neurotoxins and carcinogens. So just as an example, here is a list of just a few of the toxic ingredients found in a fabric softener. Okay, so alpha terpenol. 
and this can cause central nervous damage and respiratory problems. Um, chloroform. This is a carcinogen, carcinogenic neurotoxin. And just real quick, so, like, I mean, chloroform is the stuff that you would put on a cloth and hold over someone's face to knock <laughs> them unconscious, right? right <laughs> I mean, maybe right. I watch too much crime show uh, yeah, TV. Yeah, but... <laughs> but, uh, for real. <laughs> but this doesn't sound like something I want to be breathing in, even at very low levels, much less something that I want all over the pillowcases my children are sleeping on, right? Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Gross gross yeah um benzyl acetate is another one this has been linked to pancreatic cancer uh benzyl alcohol this has been uh proven to be a respiratory tract irritant ethanol this is on the epa's hazardous waste list it can cause central nervous system disorders ethyl acetate is a narcotic on the epa's hazardous waste list uh limonene is a known carcinogen it can irritate your eyes and your skin and linalool causes central nervous system disorders. It also depresses heart rate activity. So fun it's things so, to breathe yeah, in it's so and crazy. absorb your skin. And you just have to wonder why, 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 like really why. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, and this is just an example of fabric softeners. So it's no wonder why people are walking around sick all the time. Yeah. Um, and. So a, a really great alternative to a fabric softener is like those little wool dryer balls. And you things. can add a few drops of essential oils to them if you want a fragrance. Or you mm -hmm. can just omit the fragrance part altogether. But I know a lot of people yeah. are really big on the fragrance thing. And, and the essential wonder, oils are a better way to go for that. So. For sure. Definitely a better alternative. But like you said, even those can sometimes trigger people. And like, yeah, they I can. just, this is kind of off topic. But like, why do we feel like things have to smell like something? Why can't things just smell like nothing? Yeah. Like, this is my big question. Why That's does it just... have to smell like spring rain? Why can't it just smell like air? <laughs> Very true. But smells are nice. They are. But, like, just they a lack nice. of smell is also nice. It is also nice. <laughs> anyway. I agree. I totally agree. So it is reported that between 16% and 33% of people are unusually sensitive or allergic to chemicals, with about 4% reporting that their illness was an everyday occurrence. I would say that's a pretty significant portion of the yeah. population. I do too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's very significant. <laughs> you know, we start taking a lot of toxins from the time we are in utero, and we're taking in all these toxins. The umbilical cords of newborns have been found to have over 300 harmful chemicals right off the bat. Wow. And then, yeah, it's so sad. Um, and then, you know, we're born and we start exposing our children to all of these chemicals that we're talking about, not to mention everyone's perfumes. Mm -hmm. And then there is just the indoor air itself. Um, and... I've heard it mentioned before that indoor air on average is five to seven times more toxic than the worst day in LA. That's crazy. This, <laughs> it is crazy. And this is the indoor air of your homes. So our homes are the most toxic place on the planet because of all the chemicals, the neurotoxins that are in the carpets and uh, all the supplies yeah, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned 
carpets and furniture because people rarely consider how toxic these things are. But that stuff is quite literally hosed down with loads of fire or flame retardant chemicals, all of which are incredibly toxic to our nervous system. So these are the same flame retardants that are applied to pillows, mattresses, children's pajamas, um, furniture, carpet, everything. So if you want to get into the absolutely crazy politics and brainwashing that instituted this occurring, you should really check out a documentary called Toxic Hot Seat. Um, it came out on HBO in 2013, and it's about California Technical Bulletin 117. So this was the 1975 law that enacted, um, it was enacted to reduce cigarette instigated house fires. So there was like this, um, they messed with the numbers and like overreported house fires that were caused by um, cigarettes that were like left laying around. Um, but anyway, it's crazy. So this law required all fabrics sold in that state to contain fire retardants. So this is why they were on mattresses, pillows, pajamas, furniture, carpet. Um, And so this led to the widespread use of fire retardant chemicals in all polyurethane foam-based furniture that's sold in North America because any furniture manufacturer clearly wants to be able to sell their products in California, right? Like that's a huge market that they're not willing to give up. And this was like very well calculated by the state of California when they put this this bulletin into play. So a lot of corruption went on with getting the law passed. It's a really, really great documentary. It follows. um, So it starts out, it follows the lead of these journalists who exposed how chemical companies and big tobacco was involved in this. They so they basically like conspired to risk public health by pumping these dangerous chemical flame retardants into furnishing furnishings and toys for decades. Um, and then finally, there was this group of firefighters and moms, some legislators, and like other just generally concerned citizens demanded that it be changed. So it did lead to a reform of the law in July of 2013. So. Surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, I don't know, the chemicals have still not been banned, but it is now legal to make furniture without them and sell it in the state of California. So this is a start. Yeah. Um, So as of January 2014, consumers could start demanding to buy their couches and armchairs and your car seats. The stuff went on car seats. Um, You can ask that they be free of toxic chemicals. So... I know that, um, like the kind of the, the craze of the non-toxic mattresses that we can buy now, right? Like the, mm-hmm. you order the mattress and it comes in a box. Um, if you think back, that wasn't a thing before about 2014, right? And it's because yeah, yeah. The, they couldn't sell them. There were a few companies, like there was, I think maybe Casper was one back then, but anyway, yeah, pretty crazy. That's crazy. Very crazy. It is really, really mind blowing how so many of these chemicals are still being allowed. Yeah, it's gross. It is. And, you know, we could just keep listing chemicals, uh, chemicals that weren't really around when our parents were growing up and things were much more simple and they were exposed to very few of the thousands of chemicals that we are exposed to today. So I don't remember the exact numbers, but there are thousands of chemicals being used in our everyday cleaning products and skincare products that haven't been tested for cancer and neurotoxicity. 
And we use, on average, over 500 chemicals just to start our day off um, in the shower, through makeup and lotions, etc. And probably, on average, 200 of those are known carcinogens and endocrine disruptors, which will affect mm-hmm. your thyroid and estrogen um, and pretty much every hormone in your body. Yep. So we are exposed to so many chemicals that we're just putting into our bodies from food, makeup, personal care products, our clothes, our environments, our homes. Well, and it's, you know, you mentioned um, makeup. And so if you think about the number of body products that perhaps a male uses on a day-to-day basis and compare it with the number of products that a female uses. And I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to stuff like that. Like I don't, I obviously don't wear perfumes at all. I wear very little makeup. Um, I use very few products relative to probably what most women use. But I mean, if you make the comparison and then you think kind of extrapolate that into the rates of female infertility that we have now, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense, (laughs) but, um, you know, also what a lot of people don't consider in respect to these chemicals is the toxic load. So a lot of these chemicals, like you said, the ones that are known carcinogens and endocrine disruptors, these have been evaluated on a basis of how toxic they are to humans on their own. So these tests are performed and the FDA says, oh, like such and such level of chemical X is safe. So that amount is allowed to be in this product, but what's not tested and won't ever be tested because A, it's impossible to do so, and B, the cost would just be astronomical. But the testing of like the varying combinations of all of these toxins together and the fact that multiple daily products contain the same toxin over and over. So the level in your shower gel on its own may be considered safe. But what if that same toxin is also in your body lotion and it's also in your hair pomade, um, plus all of the other chemicals that are in there? So, like, how do you know that these ingredients in combination with, you know, your lotion, your laundry fabric, your Scentsy plug-in, your hairspray, the flame retardants you inhale all day? I, like, the list is too long. We don't have enough time right. on our podcast. <laughs> but how do you know that it will still be at that supposed safe level? And, you know, I say supposed safe level. Like, I don't think that any level of a known carcinogen is something that you should knowingly put on your body. Like, that just right. doesn't seem like a good idea. So, but you don't know. And there's literally no way to find out. So when you think about combining this huge toxic load with all of the other um toxic things that we encounter everywhere else. So like pesticides on our foods, vaccinations, um, nutrient depletions, over-the-counter medication, prescription medication, possible exposure to toxic mold or heavy metal exposure. I mean, it is really no wonder that our systems finally just like throw their hands up in the air and give up. Yeah. And something that I feel really iterates this point when deciding a toxic level of Um, heavy metals, the term LD is used to describe the toxic level. So like LD1 is the amount that's toxic to 1% of the population as it toxic is in causing death. Um, like, so LD50 would be the level that is toxic enough to cause death in 50% of the population because we can all handle varying toxic loads, right? So, um, Scientists took the LD1 for both lead and mercury. This means the dose of lead that is fatal to 1% of the population, 
plus the dose of mercury that's toxic to 1% of the population. And they combined them. And this combined dose was toxic to 100% of the population. Wow. Like, yeah, everyone, everyone died. Everyone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And gr- okay, granted, this population was mice. But I think we can pretty clearly <laughs> extrapolate what this yeah. means in regards to doses of environmental toxins that are considered, quote-unquote, safe. Crazy. Yeah. And, like, how they're combined in our daily lives. I mean, it just... Like, it doesn't make any sense to call no. it safe. No. So, That's um, just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And so there was the scientific review on multiple chemical sensitivity. And it stated that, um, and this is a quote from the study, research in neurotoxicology, occupational medicine, and biological psychiatry suggests that the phenomenology of MCS patients overlaps that of affective spectrum disorders And that both involve dysfunction of the limbic pathways. Animal studies demonstrate that intermittent, repeated, low-level environmental chemical exposures, including pesticides, causes limbic kindling. Kindling, either full or partial, is one central nervous system mechanism that could amplify reactivity to low levels of inhaled and ingested chemical and initiate persistent, affective, cognitive, and somatic symptoms in both occupational and non-occupational settings. As in animal studies, inescapable and novel stressors could cross-sensitive with chemical exposures in some individuals to generate adverse responses on a neurochemical basis. The olfactory limbic model raises testable neurobiological hypotheses that could increase understanding of the multifactorial etiology of MCS and of certain overlapping affective spectrum disorders. So it references the limbic system there. And the limbic system is a system of several parts of your brain, like your amygdala, your hippocampus, your hypothalamus. Um, limbic kindling is the hypersensitization of chemicals via these this pathway, right? So via these parts of your brain. So the limbic system controls like your basic human response part of your brain. So this is things like fear, anger, pleasure, the desire to care for your children, hunger, sexual desire. I mean, you get the idea there. Um, so the logic kind of follows that if all of these toxins are directly impacting the limbic system, that these individuals would have things like anxiety, depression, weight gain, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's so sad. I, I mean, this is just completely mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's super crazy. stuff is still allowed. And this can all even cross over into medicine sensitivity, which many in my family have. So myself and my dad and both my children We've all had very bad reactions to medication, both prescription and over-the-counter, which is just another part of the story, which has led me on the functional medicine path. But uh, we could spend probably a couple of hours just talking about (laughs) pharmaceuticals and over-the-counter medicines and the impact they could have on the body. Um, So... Anyways, you know, many people just don't feel well and they don't realize they're chemically sensitive. They have lots of sleep issues and anxiety and depression, and they just walk around with a brain fog and lack of energy and weight loss resistance. Um, And then they start gaining weight and this is triggering bad genes. And many Mm -hmm. times it goes back to their body driving inflammation because of certain chemicals. So this is just another one of those steps in the whole 
finding the root cause issue, like exactly finding the root cause. We got to get there. Right. So it's not like just being exposed to all of these chemicals is going to take you down, but it's the exposure of all these chemicals plus X plus Y plus Z plus one plus two plus three. Like it's it's the (laughs) compounding effect. Exactly. Yeah. So what can you start to do about multiple chemical sensitivity if you suspect that this is a problem for you? So first and foremost, it's important to remove as many of the sources as possible. So there's obviously a lot that are completely out of our control, like when they mass spray your neighborhood for mosquitoes. But you can go to cleaner household products and air purifiers in your home and skincare products, which we are going to address much more detailed in our next episode. Yay. Um, Yes, that's going to be a fun (laughs) one. And we'll also be talking about our favorite skincare products as well. Um, And you can also choose no VOC paints and flooring for your home, especially if you're building or remodeling. For sure. When we moved into our home over the summer, um, we painted with no VOC paint. It's a little bit more expensive, but not really much. There didn't used to be many options for no VOC paint, but I think it's gotten a lot more popular because like, I remember I used it to paint my son's bedroom when I was pregnant with him. And that was like almost nine years ago. Um, and you couldn't pick all the colors. There were like 10 color options. That was about it. But when we went and got the paint for our house this summer, um, you could pick any, like yeah. all the regular color options. You They would put them in a v, no, uh, non-VOC paint for you now. So, um, awesome. yeah, we also purchased non-toxic mattresses from Tuft & Needle. And I know there's a lot of affordable mattress options out there now. I've researched a whole bunch of them. There's like avocado mattress purple casper um there's a ton and there are also some that are crazy pricey too but like we're super happy with the tuft and needle brand we bought it we bought our kids each one and we're buying ourselves one um in a couple of months so um they also offer all of those brands offer non-toxic pillows that you can order so uh we got really lucky and there was no carpet in our home i will never live in a house with carpet ever again but we are replacing this super amazing tile that came from the 90s (laughs) in our kitchen (laughs) and hallway it's it's interesting um but we're replacing it with we're thinking we're going to use wood laminate but i'm wondering kind of now what non-toxic options are available in that realm so that's something that we'll definitely have to research as we embark on that yeah um and i'm also a big fan of infrared saunas which have been shown in research to remove toxins very efficiently from the body so that's another option that you can do um And next, you want to work on your detox pathways, which can get more complicated and in-depth than what we have time to discuss today. But a very basic place to start is cleaning up the diet and adding in active or methylated B vitamins and liver-boosting herbs such as milk thistle. Yeah, for sure. Um, Detoxification pathways are super important, and when they get hindered, it's kind of that compound effect occurs. Um, So cleaning up your diet, for sure. Cleaning up your cleaning products. uh, 
cleaning up your body products, which is something that we're going to super discuss on that episode on skincare. But also stop using antiperspirants. Don't use them. I don't know why, but everyone is like super scared to sweat. And sweating is important. Like this is Mm -hmm. a mechanism that your body has in place for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of your body's biggest detox pathways. So like allow yourself to sweat. It's okay. Tell people it's normal. Um, plus you don't want to be using the toxins that are in most conventional or mainstream deodorants or antiperspirants. So we'll talk favorite deodorants on our skin co- skincare episode on Friday. Uh, but yeah. like exercise so that you're sweating, you know, sweating and detoxing is a huge benefit of the exercise. It's not just those feel good chemicals that you get in your body. So once you've detoxed with sweat, you also want to make sure that you're rehydrating with lots of water. So continually flushing your system. And, you know, maybe I'm being like overambitious, but I think a gallon a day is doable for most people if you go about it the right way. But I mean, really at least like three quarters of a gallon, you know, you have to make a conscious effort to do it for sure, but it's doable. Yes. Those are two big things people don't do enough. They Mm -hmm. really don't drink enough water. And they really don't sweat enough. Like and why are they're we both so, why super, is sweating, super important. Why is sweating so taboo? I don't, I'm like, <laughs> I don't get it. I'm like, why is it not okay to have sweat when you're just out doing things? I don't know. It's weird to me. Well, I love sweating. <laughs> like hot yoga classes. Yes. I, I love that feeling of just. Yeah. Or, yeah. well, like, that's the acceptable place to sweat, right, is when you're working out. But, like, well, of course, right? I don't understand but... why it's unacceptable to be sweaty when you're just like out and sweating like deodorant okay yes I get because nobody appreciates a foul nobody wants to be smelling that yeah nobody (laughs) likes the stinky guy like that's I get that but what I don't understand is the antiperspirant thing right like I understand the deodorant thing I do not understand the antiperspirant thing like when did the marketing industry decide that they're going to make us all believe that it's not that it's gross if you sweat like this is just something your body does Anyway, a lot of people (laughs) go out there and sweat people. (laughs) Yeah. So that is our two cents on multiple chemical sensitivity. So thank you so much for joining us and go find us over on Instagram at wellness speaks podcast. Also be sure to rate and review our podcast. Go out there and get your sweat on guys. Thanks for listening.